The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back at you. It's Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. He has made it back alive. No Tiger or Mike Tyson or Tattoo Punch. Elijah Herbal returns. I, I did almost get in a fight with a fighter, though. Did I, will we, will we <laughs> save it. We will get there in a moment. He not was not fr- really that close. But we'll he, he, he was frightened with your mustache and, and backed away. Because clearly there's no training for that. But uh, good to be with you. We have so much to get caught up on. Husker basketball, Husker baseball, NFL combine, Coach Rule, Thomas Fedoni, and of course Chief Borders all spent time with the media earlier today. We'll hear from those fellas. And uh, man, uh, just uh, a ton to get to. It's a good week. It's state basketball coming up Wednesday as the boys' tournament descends on Lincoln at PBA and the Nevada Center. So excited for that. Uh, you can get in, 489-1240, 489-1240, and uh, can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. You're invited to watch as well as listen on the stream, the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. You can go there for your Matt Rule presser as well as Thomas Fedoni. And uh, Chief Borders, the Hale Varsity Twitter radio handle, also streams the show at HVarsity Radio and uh, KFOR Facebook and Twitter as well. So we'll also get to Dylan Riola news. He was in La La Land over the weekend. How did that shake out? But I put it to you, who had the better weekend? You as a Nebraska fan, wrestling finishing third, baseball going two and one. Didn't wasn't so great early against Ole Miss, but you beat Vandy, so that's all good. You go two and one. You whacked the McCaffreys in Iowa, eighty one seventy seven. We'll hear from Fred Hoiberg in a moment. Or did Elijah Herbal have a better weekend than most of Husker Nation? So I, I will let you explain yourself about you almost becoming a ultimate fighting champion, or at least an ultimate fighter. Did you please tell me, please, you put money line money down on Nebraska to win outright? On basketball? On basketball. I was, I was going to. I was going to, was, but I couldn't find my wallet. No, the problem was, was by the time that game was ending, I was already off the strip headed towards the airport. Ah. So I, timing I, I wasn't going to have a chance to so get you, back. But I, I looked at the line the night before, and I'm like. Double digits, wasn't it? 11 and a half for yeah. Iowa with a total of 153, and I'm like. Man, if I was here another day, I would have parlayed Nebraska money line with the over and seen sure. how much money I could have gotten. And it would have been a great bet. I literally even mentioned it to my buddy Brian that night. I said, that's a terrible line. Like, I'd, I'd bet Nebraska money line <laughs> on that. Let's just do money line right here, throw it on the big red, because it's only been 11 years since they've won in Iowa City. And you were ready to do it. You were ready to no. put a 50 out on that, and the return would have been what? Well, lots, lots of buffet or more time at the juice bar. Well, the, the problem was was the uh, the sports book that we did stop by. I didn't make any sports bets this weekend, and we'll get into the reason why here. Oh. Um, 
So if you put down a $200 bet on anything, it gave you four free drink tickets. And that's what I was looking at because <laughs> Modelo's at the sports book were $14 a pop. A 12-ounce Modelo. Was it an extra two fifty for a lime? Uh, no, they didn't charge you for the lime, thank God. I but, can't. But after one Modelo, I went, I'm not doing that anymore. So then I looked at that deal and I said, four drinks for $200. And I said, I don't want to waste $200 on something. Give me a McCormick's and water now. Yeah, no, so I ended up not spending all that much time at the sports book because, you know, if you're at a blackjack table, they'll just bring you the drink for free. Mm-hmm. So you I learned that lesson that. early. <laughs> did you lose your backside? Did you break even? Did you win? The weekend started great. Don't ask me about the rest of the weekend. Whenever I was playing... Common story, I hear. Uh, well, uh, like two blocks off this strip, there was $10 blackjack games. Okay. It's doing really, really well there. I even texted you about that on yeah. Friday night. I was doing really well out there. And then uh, we moved back to the strip where the uh, blackjack games were $50 minimums. And uh, turns out the money that you, you made on the $10 games goes away pretty quickly on $50 mm. games. I was sitting there thinking, man, I can make money five times as fast. And it turns out you can also lose it five times mm. as fast. So a uh, great Friday night. Uh, Saturday we had the uh, the UFC fights, and I I briefly ran into both Jamal Murray, uh, sure. point guard for the Nuggets. Saw him, said what up. He ran into you. Know, yes, he ran into me. And then uh, I also got absolutely mean mugged by Daniel Cormier. As, for uh, what he was Didn't like your so mustache? we were trying to get back to our hotel. And we took the wrong route through. We ended up at the Uber pickup, so we had to turn around and go back through like the double doors into the casino. And who's walking out through the same doors that I'm trying to walk in? But Daniel Cormier. I didn't even recognize him for a second, but I was totally in his way. And uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize it was him because he's wearing like this low hoodie. I'm sure he's trying to walk through this casino not get recognized on the night that his arch nemesis ended up winning the UFC uh, heavyweight championship. have a feeling he probably didn't want to talk to anybody and deal with people. And uh, he looks up at me because I'm in his way, and I go, Oh, that's Daniel Cormier right there. And he gives me the ultimate mean mug of like, don't talk to me. Don't ask for anything. I'm going to hop in my Uber and get the hell out of here. Don't talk to me. He mean mugged me. And let me tell you what. Why why does he not have an SUV or a limo waiting? Why is he having to Uber? I don't know. But that's where he's walking to the Uber pickup. It seemed to be with uh, his wife and maybe his kids. Ah. That's what the uh, the vibe looked like. And it seemed like a don't mess with me and my family right now. I'm just trying to get home. Kids are screaming. (laughs) My wife's mad at me. Yeah, it's one so, of those. So Daniel Cormier mean mugged me. Jamal Murray was much nicer. I just gave him a little go nuggets, and he gave me a little nod of acknowledgement. We moved on. And <laughs> it, the, the who's who is there at UFC, and what's fun is they're all sitting courtside seats, and to go get concessions, they have to walk up to the concourse. Uh, amongst so, the common Amongst folk. the common folk. So uh, you got to run into a, a couple celebrities at UFC, who? which is fun. Uh, you wouldn't know. There's a lot of That's UFC fighters. for old. No, a lot, no, a lot of UFC fighters and uh, former UFC fighters okay. that just uh. make the rounds around there. So would you know the name Maurice Green? No. 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 I like the name Maurice, though. No, he was uh, right next to me at the urinals in the bathroom. So, <laughs> Did he pull a DJ Durkin and cozy up right next to you? No, we did There's not. 75 stalls in one of the McCormick place in Big Ten Media Days before Durkin got whacked. And uh, I'm at the end stall, and here comes Durkin. Is There's 30 to pick from, and he cozies right up. Hey, how are you? Good, Coach. Thanks for stopping by Radio Row. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't. Uh, but yeah, but no, I get you. I get you. But all in all, a very, very good weekend in uh, in Vegas for Elijah Herbal, and I won't be going back anytime soon. But maybe later in life. Good, <laughs> done. We'll uh, we'll make it happen. That'll be good. So Elijah made a strong case for a good weekend. Fred in Nebraska basketball making a loud case for, dare I say, a good season. Sixteen and fifteen, nine and ten. In the Big Ten, what could have been if you play a second half against Michigan State? What could have been if you hang on against Purdue? 
I mean, this team, and Elijah, you said it before the show, dangerous with a capital D. Now, I'm still a little leery and weary of Minnesota beating them a third time because of their their length and their size and their athleticism. I know they're a nine-win team, but crazy things happen in the Big Ten tournament. Nebraska, historically not a great squad in Big Ten, Big 12, Big A tournament. Just things can go haywire. That's not to take away from from yesterday as Nebraska downs Iowa, 81-77. You had a boatload of guys in double figures. You had 18 bench points. You were exquisite from three-point lane. You shot 53%, 58% overall, 19 assists on 31 field goals. The only reason Iowa didn't get blown out, 51 points off of second chance, offensive rebound, or turnovers. But Nebraska survived that. Their defense, good enough. Iowa did not shoot well, 36%, 32% from three. And Nebraska answered Iowa runs. Iowa came back, of course, after Nebraska was up 18-9, to and it was kind of a seesaw deal. But Nebraska, their defense held Iowa without a field goal the final six minutes. There was a C.J. Wilcher siding. He scored seven straight to answer a run. Sammy Hoiberg earned his allowance, hit a big-time three. Sam Hoiberg's been incredible for this team. Another huge defensive play down the stretch. Was it a charge? It was absolutely not, but it was the same official. (laughs) Yes. It was the same official that got stared down by Fran McCaffrey against Michigan State. And Twitter always wins because... The fake email, or I should say the fake Twitter account of said referee, says, I always have a long memory, Fran, and that official made the charge call. It was awful, and and Sammy had his right Adidas up in the air. He was not set, but there was so much crap that was and wasn't called. I mean, Derek Walker got flogged repeatedly on his way to the rim. Okay, not a, and he doesn't bitch a lot, but but Walker got bumped and bit and hit a lot of times to the rim, and and there was no whistle and and for him to say something and he did about two or three times didn't let it affect him getting back on defense, but he was ticked off about it. And then there was some anticipation phantom whistles for these and ones. Iowa had I think four or five and ones, two of which were from three point land, so it all evened out. Nebraska banked a lot of bad home cooking anticipation phantom whistle calls, and you turn that bad boy back in for a charge in that moment on senior night in under a minute to go. That never happens. That said, Nebraska built a four-point lead. And we're making plays down the stretch. Well, Nebraska had a lead down the stretch, despite the fact that they didn't get a good game from Casey. They got an they got double digits, and they got they got five and nine efficiency. But what they didn't get was was Casey of February. No, they, they they got three point shooting from everybody else. Jamarcus Lawrence was great. Nebraska's offense won them this game. Nebraska's start won them this game. And Nebraska's poise towards the end, staying focused despite... And it wasn't like the worst officiated game, but it's still on the road at Carver-Hawkeye. you got to overcome. And, and Nebraska did that. Well, the, the bench, Breidenbach hit a three finally after taking him. Uh, but but he was good getting to the rim. And, and Hoiberg, he had 18 bench points there. Damn near a triple-double from Derek Walker. I know, and it was... I mean, I don't want to say quiet, but it kind of was. He just kind of did his thing. 
And no, I mean, if I'm, and then Sam Greasel. And the other thing, too, is you only had two combined points from, from Kisei and, and, uh, and Sammy Greasel in the second half. That's it. So Nebraska got contributions from everybody. You're smiling about this basketball team. And they got a chance to continue to, to, to be dangerous in Chicago. Uh, listen, you have a chance to beat Minnesota for a third time. You have a chance to, to beat Maryland, which I don't love that matchup, but you've done it. You've at least split with them. And then you've got Indiana looming. And let's be honest, you, you kept Iowa out of the double bye. You have a three-game winning streak against Iowa, two in hoops and one in football. That's a win. You beat Creighton, you've beaten Wisconsin, you've swept Iowa. First time since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten that they've gone 3-0 and against Iowa in football and basketball in a year. First time since you joined the Big Ten. So, who who would have thought, if you would have said that six months ago, who would have thought that this would be the year? Well, how about eight weeks ago? <laughs> Even eight weeks ago, sure. Eight weeks ago, Well, th- no. thank God that Patrick McCaffrey for Iowa decided that he cared more about showing up the commentary booth than he did about going and winning a basketball game. Because he starts out the game on fire, says he's going to get five, gets his five, and from there on out, he's, I think, one of four from three from that point on. Like, there was a, a noted switch after he got those five. So uh, that's, a, that's a win for Nebraska. That guy didn't seem to me like his priorities in the right place whenever you care more about flashing five threes at the commentary booth because they told you you couldn't do it. Didn't care about getting a win on senior night, though. Well, Murray Murray was off, and uh, Nebraska bothered him enough. You'll take it and run. Iowa, I would argue, had the best win in conference and the best win on the road. They, they just drilled Indiana by 23 on the road. Indiana's been incredible. And for Nebraska to go in and get the start they did and then hold on like they did is impressive. Let's hear from Fred real quick. His reaction yesterday, post-game presser uh, with the win and uh, a chance for Nebraska to keep playing beyond Chicago. You're now 16-15. and 15. Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't know if we would get another rebound there for a while. I like, just throw it up. That was our best offense. Just get it up on the rim and then go fetch it and then kick it out for a three. And, you know, that uh, first five minutes of the second half, they got everything. Uh, finally, down the stretch, we made a little contact. You know, it was almost like after talking about it at length going into this game of how good of an offensive rebounding team this is, we were almost surprised. We turned and they were right by us, and that's where they got all those second-chance opportunities. And then the turnovers as well. Sorry, guys, I can't see anymore. 21 uh, points off turnovers. How many? 21 10 points off turnovers. Yeah, that's, you know, until 21. But, you know, I guess to answer your question, Robin, to still find a way that just shows this team has a lot of resiliency to it. It's, it's been the thing I've been most pleased with this, uh, this last month of the season. And, you know, whether we were down 17 to Wisconsin and, you know, 8 to Maryland in the last five minutes and, and found a way to come back and get wins in overtime, and, you know, just keep our head up. And that's, that's the one thing. Uh, first half, I thought we dropped them a little bit when Iowa went up seven. And we got the timeout and just regrouped, uh, made a nice run and, and had a good response, I think, to cut it back to two and found a way to keep it close, um, you know, it, uh, at the half. So, you know, just really proud of how our guys continue to go out there and, and play and finally made some toughness plays down the stretch. That's it. It was maddening with every missed shot, and Iowa missed a lot of them the way they shot because of Nebraska's defense. And they were just off, but they got every freaking offensive rebound. I mean, it was it was gross. It was gross, and at the wrong time, they'd swing it. It'd be, a, it'd be an offensive rebound that turns into a three, 
and Nebraska always had an answer. Guys took turns hitting big shots, Elijah, and you just aren't used to seeing that, but you're seeing it a little bit more with this team. Their reward, have fun in Italy, right? They're going to take an international trip in July. Good for Fred, good for this crew to beat Iowa. Can they keep it going, and can some more March magic happen? You've had a lot of fun in February, got brought back to reality by Sparty, and then you go persevere in Iowa City. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, longtime Nebraska assistant. We'll talk prep hoops and Nebraska ball next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity with you on a Monday. We're presented by Currency. Don't forget, we are at Rosie's this Thursday, 4 to 6. You're in town for the state tournament. Hey, come see us. Great food and drink specials. It is awesome to be down to Rosie's. Lots of fun. Not far from PBA. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll have plenty of state basketball coverage as well. You'll hear him on the radio. Uh, Jeff Smith is with us. Longtime assistant for Nebraska basketball. He knows March well. And, of course, a Hall of Fame coach with Lincoln South. He's going to talk some round ball. We'll get to Coach Rule and some NFL and the Combine in a bit. Coach Smith, thanks for a few minutes. How was your weekend? It was a great weekend. It was beat Iowa weekend, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, man. And I don't know who had a better weekend, Husker basketball fans or just Husker fans or Elijah Herbal at the craps table. We're still working <laughs> on that uh, that information. But let's dive into Nebraska first, and we'll get your take on Class A for the state tournament in a moment. But, you know, I would uh, I would have bet – mama's money and and everyone else's money and and not my own that this wasn't going to shake out like it did yesterday you just don't go win in iowa city but fred and company man they just never cease to amaze they just keep keep this story going and 16 and 15 sure feels weirdly enough kind of like a 20 win season i know it's not but man everything they've been through coach smith they keep delivering yeah, they've been through a lot. And this was a weekend. I was glad I'm not a better because I, I, that would have been hard not to think Iowa's going to play really well the way they've played. But, you know, Iowa Iowa will break down defensively, and that's kind of what we took advantage of. Um, you know, our shooting percentages were amazing yesterday. And, and uh, when you shoot like that, when you shoot over 50% from the three and your field goal percentage is almost 60%, you're going to stay in any game despite – giving up a lot of points off of offensive rebounds and a lot of points off of turnovers. Um, That's a lot to overcome, but when you shoot it like that, you can. And when you have some consistency on the defensive end, which we've talked about all year, and you hold them to 36%, number one, that is going to create more opportunities for them to get offensive rebounds because that percentage is including their putbacks. So if you go, you know, first shot defensive percentage, it's probably down in the 20s, which is amazing defense against an offensive juggernaut like Iowa. But Iowa's just not – I just don't see them going that far unless they kind of do what Nebraska does and get down and play defense and take some pride on that defensive end. But but i tell you what, we had – you know, we had some really good performances. We had four guys in double figures and then three other guys that scored nine. So really almost, you know, seven guys in double figures. So it was great balance. Everybody contributed in their way. I really liked watching Sam Griesel yesterday. I thought his rhythm with his shooting was as good as I've seen all year. 
So a lot of things point to some possibilities in postseason play here. Coach, before we uh, we dive too deeply into the potential postseason play, I want to ask you about something I brought it back in our first segment. Patrick McCaffrey seemed to have an issue with the broadcast booth in the first half, was uh, giving them a look every single time he hit a three because they said he's been cold and they need a big game from him. What was your reaction to that from a coaching perspective, seeing a guy you know have a chip on his shoulder from the broadcast booth trying to, to one-up those guys? Yeah, you know, if that's what it takes to motivate you, I'm not sure you're playing for the right reason. Obviously, he was motivated to prove Robbie Hummel wrong. Um, and then I was watching. I hadn't. I hadn't. I was out of town when the Iowa Michigan State comeback happened, and they were talking about Rabracha had a problem with what they said. They must watch their broadcasts a lot. But <laughs> I, I'm not really. I, I'm. I'm more into you know putting the walls up around the court and keeping your focus with your teammates. And and you know they even asked the question: Was well, he made five? Is he done? He did make one more, but um, I don't know if his intensity level dropped. I, I wouldn't be too excited about. Having having that you know focus on the side on the on the press table myself. What about the the, the charge that went Sammy Hoiberg's way at that moment in that gym by that official who Fran stared down just two weeks ago with Michigan State epic comeback for Michigan for Iowa that Michigan State game thirteen points in a minute but man the official was on the baseline, he made the call. Sam was there, but I don't know that Sam was set. I'm not whining about it, though. Yeah, you know, you, you sometimes you say 50-50 call. That was maybe a 30-70 call, but we got the 30. Um, you know, you, you have to keep in mind when you're a coach that the way you, the way you respond to officiating from game to game can, can impact you at some point. And I'm not sure the way Fran treats officials doesn't sometimes catch up with him and it and it uh, it really could have you know maybe subconsciously by this guy but he you know you go stare at a guy and embarrass him and it's all over national tv and, and you know and they're talking about it on talk shows that that's not good and and you know that's where you know fred is almost the other opposite way where he's so laid back but i, I guarantee you those guys aren't going to make calls against fred because he's you know, too demonstrative on the sideline. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, I think Fran's a really good coach. They run some really good stuff offensively. But I think I think that's something that, I, you know, we can all learn stuff at old age. I, I think he's got to learn to just try to control that and understand that that could hurt him down the stretch. And I, I think it did this time. Coach, do you think Nebraska's NIT future is secured pre-Big Ten tournament with that win, or do you think they still need to go make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, get a couple wins? If they can get one, they're guaranteed at least a 500 finish this season. Yeah, I, I think they're in pretty good shape, personally. I think Nebraska's a good name. They know that you know, if, if they can have a home game first or second round, they know they're going to fill the place. I, and I think NIT, that makes a difference. You know, the little dollar signs. I think we've got enough quality wins I think they said Iowa had nine quad one wins or something like that. And for us to beat them at their, on their home floor, if they take into consideration our league, I feel like I'm not one of those bracket experts, but I feel like we're in pretty good shape. You know, they were talking about how they are more and more letting conference, the, the regular season conference champion in with the tournament champion, which means more of those teams in the NCAA, which then it funnels down where good teams get left out and fills up the NIT quicker. But uh, I would like to think that uh, I'd like to think we've done enough on our resume. I think going 500 can get you in the NIT. 
Jamarcus Lawrence, speak to his growth, his ability, and where he can go with this team, not just postseason, not just Chicago, but he's been dynamite. He has been absolute dynamite. What's the, what's the ceiling look like for him? Yeah, I think it's really high, I, and, and he's playing on both ends of the floor. I, I know for a fact that Coach Linzer likes him on the defensive, floor, uh, defensive end because he understands the rotation at a young age. He understands communication. He's in the right spots a lot. His vision is really good, which is important defensively. But offensively, he's just gaining more and more confidence. You know, there, there was the – I can't remember which game it was. He, he missed like his last four or five free throws. I don't know if that was Minnesota at home or what, and you could see it shook him a little bit. I really wondered how he'd come back um, against Michigan State and play, but, but he knocked some shots down, and he showed some mental toughness to me because sometimes little things like that can rattle a freshman. But he's, he, he's gone through this freshman learning curve really quick and obviously additional playing time. But I, I see him as a combo guard. I think he could move to the point in the future and play some good point guard. I think he can, you know, get in the corners and spot up and shoot really well, like, he, you know, with five of them. So I think he's got a really bright future. You know, the thing you start worrying about is, you know, a kid from back east, let's make sure we keep him here because he's a, he's a really important cog of the future, and we need that consistency of, of freshmen coming in, going through that learning curve and, and not losing people but keeping them here because he, he could be a future leader, a future, uh, you know, Big Ten, maybe all-conference guy someday if he stays with it from what he's shown with his growth. Um, I, I love the kid. I, the other thing I love about him, I love guard speed with the ball, and he shows that at times. And I think he's a very complete player that's just grown by leaps and bounds and has a really, really high ceiling. Coach, I know you've had a chance to go down and watch practice a couple of times, uh, and you have been able to, to talk with some members of the coaching staff on multiple occasions. What do you make of what Nebraska has in the cupboard? There's a guy in Ramel Lloyd we haven't yet seen this year, Denim Dawson, Jamarcus Lawrence. There's some, some freshman impact guys that Fred Hoiberg has. What do you make of what he's got in the cupboard for the future? Yeah, I, I think those guys, uh, Ramil Lloyd and De- Denim Dawson, just have to keep improving on the offensive end with their offensive skills. I, I, Ramil Lloyd's a really good, good athlete. I was almost wondering if they'd pull him out of red shirt. Um, really good body. Um, it looks like he plays hard, kind of like Juwan Gary, uh, kind of similar body, maybe handles even a little better. Uh, I, I think there's some future there with those guys, but I do think to play in the Big Ten, um, you've got to have some guys that can make shots, and you can't have too many you know, defensive specialists or, you know, like Denim Dawson right now is kind of a rebounding defensive specialist. I hope he can just keep improving his offensive game. You, you put that with the, the athletic ability that they have, um, then you have some guys that can really contribute both ends. And then, then you're maybe top, you know, top five, top half of the Big Ten where you need to be with guys like that. So um, I think it's pretty bright. It's, it's, You've you got to start recruiting and keep your guys here. You've got to recruit your guys first. Coach, we're going to wrap this segment with basketball, and if you got a couple minutes on the other side, I want to spend time on the state tournament here next segment. But with Nebraska basketball, how far, what's realistic for them in Chicago here? Can they, can they really wow, or do you think it's just too much to ask for more than, than one win? I don't think it's too much. I, I don't. I don't think it's an easy task by any means. But I, I do feel like that they are confident. I think this coaching staff has got them playing 
to their roles, to their abilities, as good as I've seen a team do in a long, long, long time. But, you know, I, I heard you talking about Tamanaga before we came on air, and, you know, his February was fantastic. Well, you know, Big Ten coaches aren't going to let a guy get 20, and, and especially it's harder for a 6'1", 6'2", guy to get 20 every night um, when you've got 6'7", 6'8", kids that are, you know, really good athletes and, and experienced players guarding you. But he's opened up a lot for the other guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he can still get some of his and they can still get him open off of screens, but then Jamarcus Lawrence takes advantage. I felt I feel like Sam uh, Sam Greasel has been much more aggressive about the last six games and either been told or realized, I just got to do a little more offensively. If he can keep doing that with, with aggressiveness, and then Sam Hoiberg can keep contributing. I think they got a, a chance to to pull an upset after the first round. It's just been pretty fun, at least it was yesterday, where Tomanaga didn't have a bad game, but it was limited, five for nine. Some of the, the, the heat check threes he took were not at great times. Those had been falling, but everybody else picked him up with Greasel's first half performance, of course, the start by Jamarcus. And then you even have uh, Sam and, and Breidenbach come in and combine for just shy of 20. Coach, stay there for us. We'll get your take on the Class A Boys State Tournament if that works. You got it. It All works. Right. All right. There he is, Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith. Some thoughts on Husker Hoops, the win in Iowa. Previewing Class A next on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Few minutes, Hale Varsity continues, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. The Boys State Basketball Tournament descends on PBA in the Devante Center here Wednesday through Saturday. Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith, Nebraska assistant uh, Hall of Famer with Southeast. Uh, Going to talk prep hoops here for a moment. Coach, is this uh, as balanced of a Class A field, as you see, and I'm putting Bell West off to the side in their own category. They're incredible. They're unbeaten. They'll get uh, fought for that right to be champion again. But overall, uh, we're pretty excited here between the Metro region, Omaha and Lincoln, having so many options back in the tourney. Yeah, I think it's, you know, like you said, maybe put Bell West up there and throw the rest in. And really, I think it's very balanced between those other seven. It's not like Bell West can't be beaten. You know, we saw Southeast play them three really good quarters and just lost it by the one. And and I think teams can play with them, but they're just so darned explosive. But, yeah, even, you know, even North Star as an eight seed, when you have two six eight kids that are, are you know, athletic like San Linnell and, and those guys, that's that's a dangerous team. You know, Coach Q did them a favor by leaving the, the cupboard full with Houston transferred in from Northeast. He's a really good player. Gatwich is another good junior that averages around 10 a game. San Linnell, 17. And then Clemens, about 12. That That's four really good players. And I, I think they are, you know, 
pretty good matchup with Bell West. It's a tall task, but you never know. And then, you know, I think Southeast has actually a good draw with Gretna because of Southeast length. I think they can cause Gretna some problems. Gretna is led by a couple juniors, Porkowski and Wilcoxon, really talented players. But, you know, they're, they're 6'3-ish, 6'2-ish in Southeast with Bangot Dak is 6'8", and, and, you know, Schaefer and those guys, and Voss, I guess, is another 6'8 one. So, I think that's a good matchup with for Southeast, even though it's a six-three game. And then um, East-West side, uh, East beat them once in the regular season. So you know, there's another possibility for a Lincoln school to advance. Coach, for the uh, the listeners out there that maybe haven't followed high school bas- basketball as closely as uh, ourselves this season, can you give a couple players to watch for in the state tournament, guys that here in a couple of years might be going and uh, making some noise, D1, D2 uh, level guys that are going to be playing in the state tournament? Yeah, you know, we know – let's start with Bell West. I mean, we know that, you know, they have a lot of talent, and we we know a lot about Dotzler because he signed with Creighton. But the Jackson kid, the other guard, is a really talented guard. I think it's a for sure high Division One talent. Um, I think he's somebody, somebody that people would really love to watch. Um, and the McMorris kids, you know, a little competitor with, with their team. I, I do think if they go watch North Star, Clemens and San Linnell are six eight athletes that um, San Linnell has a lot of inside out skill. And I think, you know, I think he and then along with Bangot Dak from Southeast, another six eight long athlete. I, I think Dak's like looking at a, a prep school. I wouldn't be surprised if a San Linnell would either to give one more year of polish, maybe of improvement before they, you know, have a chance to go play Division One basketball. Um, I think that's a possibility. Um, I think for like Division Two level kids, you look at East and you look at guys like uh, Mick and Melissa and guys like that. I, and Division Three like Westland would just just love to have kids like that. Um, so you know, and Wade Voss for Southeast is already going to Wayne State, um, and I, I really like that uh, Pekorski kid from from. He's only a junior from Gretna. I think he's one to watch. Um, and then Millard North still has talent. Uh, the one I really like, if people want to go watch a point guard, 6'3 point guard is the Gates kid. He's averaging 13 a game. He averages 4.5 assists, 6.8 rebounds. It's Eli Gates. If you have a chance to watch Millard North, um, Chris and I called their game against Southwest. They played a phenomenal first half and then let up a little bit in the second half. But I, I, I was talking to some coaches about him the other day. I think he's a 6'3 point guard that people would want to watch. Coach, you have connections around the country from your, your college days, and you've recruited, you recruited in-state here just at a phenomenal level with Coach Knee to, to bring in the, the Pikowskis, the Chubbucks, the Stricks. I mean, th- those, those were awesome memories for a lot of us growing up with Nebraska kids or region kids leading Nebraska to the NCAA tournament. What's the rep right now uh, with uh, in-state, and we're not far removed from Chucky, we're not far removed from Hunter going to big-time spots, but the the, the faucet's not been turned off at all uh, in the state with some high-level guys. Yeah, this really last year's class, or, or Ch- you know, Chucky's class and some of the guys this year, Kind of reminds me of the time that when we recruited the Stricklands and the Woolridges and the Chubbicks and the Badgets and the Rich Kings and I mean that was a that was a you know really 
deep class in Nebraska, and I consider a Pikeowski since he lived in Scott's Bluff for a while, but mm-hmm. this is similar. And I think the one thing that, that we did and Coach Nee wanted to do was we let those kids know early that they were our top recruits. We, we didn't care about other kids in the country as much as we cared about the local kids. And I'm not sure before Fred changed his staff, I'm not sure that was happening as much, but I think that's, uh, I know coach Linzer and coach Howard have been out in the state and made their presence felt kind of like the football staff's doing. And I think that's something they got to repair a little bit. I, I think they should take a Nebraska kid every year. I, maybe sometimes it's a walk on, you know, maybe they can use NIL money, but when you need that scholarship kid, like a, like a Hepburn and those guys, a green from Millard North. We, we, Nebraska has to get those guys. And I know Creighton's going to get some too because they're a great coaching staff and they're a great program and a good league. But, you know, we, we need to get those kids and keep them home. We, we've seen from Sam Hoiberg playing from Pius and going there and, and Sam Greasel from Easton going there and, and, and the history of Nebraska basketball with Nebraska kids. We've seen how effective that can be when you put their hearts on the floor and their loyalty on the floor. Um, and their work ethic on the floor, how that can pay off for Nebraska. Is it still a, a hard sell for in-state kids to, to look seriously? Nebraska's had a nice six weeks, but the bigger picture. Uh, you mentioned repairing the fence a little bit. Yeah, it, you know, it, it comes down to winning. In my opinion, it comes down mm-hmm. to showing kids that you're going to win and you want to win with them. And I think this that, that they've kind of turned the corner on that of how they want to play and and I, I think they've turned the corner on that. You can say, look at who recruit. Look at the kind of kids we recruited last year. Look at look at Bandemel coming from SMU and a winning program and a great a great leader that he was and still is on the bench. And and look at Gary coming in from you know Alabama, a winning program. And and you know I think that shows a lot that they've kind of changed their focus of recruiting and understand that character matters. And then. Now, 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 young man, we want to add you from, you know, Lincoln, whatever high school or Omaha, whatever high school. We want to add your Millard, whatever high school. We want to add you to this and and highlight you in this state, in this in this Big Ten conference. Jeff Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Can hear coach uh, throughout the state tournament with coverage and uh, and analysis and also, uh, therefore, it's uh, all year long talking Big Red basketball. Coach, we will see you on Wednesday. Thanks again for a few minutes today. You betcha. That'll be fun Wednesday. That'll be great. Can't wait for it. There he is, Jeff Smith, great coach, Hall of Famer, longtime assistant at Nebraska. We'll wind down our one. Plenty of football to get to with Coach Rule and uh, Thomas Fedoni next hour. Charlie McBride's 15 minutes away on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time this hour, 10 minutes away, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt. He is a wing connoisseur, and uh, I had some incredible wings last week, last Thursday at Rosie's. You're invited down. Come see us at Rosie's this Thursday for state tournament action, 4 to 6 Roadshow with Hale Varsity, downtown Rosie's 10th and P. Excited to be down for state tournament action. We had fun last week. We had a buddy of Coach McBride's neighbor kids growing up wanted us to ask Coach about the neighbor kids. So we are gonna we're gonna try and grow this thing with an ask Charlie 
segment. So between now and, and about five after, if you want to email in a question, chris at hailvarsity.com. If you have a question for Coach McBride, we'll get to it in the interview. Or it can tweet in if it's easier for you. Do so on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Or just tag one of us as well, at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essences. Or there's a lot of options for this. Just hop on our, uh, our live stream. Yeah, we've got uh, some folks YouTube. that are watching. And, and absolutely. So Leave a comment. Ask Charlie. It's going to be fun. He loves it. He kind of grins about it. At least, at least he did last week. <laughs> he, he may be like, what are you doing to me? No, so uh, we'll get there. Coach McBride, 10 minutes away. Room for you, most of hour two. Coach Rule, Thomas Fedoni, some chief boarders. We will get into the Iowa lawsuit. I know some folks are tweeting in about that uh, reaction. And a reminder to buckle up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Did you crush the legendary casino buffet? Did you have good eats or did you concern yourself? We had good eats. Don't get me wrong. We had good eats. We had a really, really good steakhouse uh, after the uh, the UFC fights. Uh, it was called STK okay. for steak. Uh, everything in there was vastly overpriced, but it was all a, Was it also a la carte? Uh, kind of. So, so did bit. you get your baked potato with steak, or did you have to order your side, and then the butter was extra? Uh, the butter was extra. The uh, the side was extra. Guess how much a side of a baked potato was? Uh, sixteen bucks. It's twenty. Okay, twenty dollars so for close. a potato. Uh, your your appetizers are running in the fifty dollar range. So I got. Did you have shrimp cocktail at least? No, I just got myself a uh, a steak. <laughs> I will take more water, sir. <laughs> a steak with some bread and give what me kind some of, water. What kind of steak did you get? I was just a New York strip. Okay, good. New York strip in seventy-five. Uh, yes. Okay. Nailed that. Well, nailed that. Wow. Was it twelve ounce? I hope sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, sixteen ounce New York strip. Was it thick? Decent enough. Ordered it rare, which was delicious. Yeah, absolutely. We had some steaks over the weekend. Jay Bird got his grill fired up. Mm-hmm. We cordially invited ourselves over Saturday afternoon to, to grill at night, and he he had a side of beef. He got. This is the side of beef from uh, our, our friends, the, uh, the Erickson family, Jaybird, and um, his brother and, and crew. And that's the, the beef we'd send to Coach Leach, mm. Nebraska's best out of, out of the North Platte Hay Center region. And No free shout-outs. Well, I'm not. No, <laughs> it was incredible because I had some of it Saturday. I brought mine from the store. <laughs> They're like, well, we got this. They whiskey-soaked it. No, excuse me. They bourbon-soaked it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They bourbon-soaked it, and they did it like a place in Omaha, no free shout-outs, that I'm trying to mimic. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. And I'm praying in an hour I beat Junior home from practice where I can take the leftovers down. But it was, it was great. It was fantastic. All right, uh, hour two. Hale Varsity continues. Coach McBride on the way. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. 
Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. we got a few questions in here for the Ask Charlie segment. Uh, it, we'll, we'll get there. He's still in beautiful Arizona. We say hi to Coach McBride on Monday with Charlie. Coach, how was the weekend? How's the weather? How you doing? Yeah, it's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this weekend and see some of the kids that I coached on way back when I was here at Arizona State. So we're going to get together and find out what's going on with them. Is it true that you've been called into action to go talk to the Riola family? No, I, I, <laughs> no, no, I I stay away from that stuff. That that's um, that, that, although uh, because of my relationship probably with his father, I could do it. I could go over there and you know and spend some time. I that that would be that would be questionable, though. You know. It, <laughs> <laughs> If you have a long-standing relationship with somebody, or it's a relative, or something like that, then it, 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 you're allowed to do that. At least you were then. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now they may change, but that's pretty much the way it, it is. And um, you know, I've been away from it long enough where whatever I would say probably would be questionable too. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie McBride's with us a Monday with Charlie. Coach, you mentioned you you were at Arizona State, you were at Wisconsin, you you worked with uh Woody Hayes, Frank Cush, Coach Osborne. Uh, tell me a little bit about the the Woody Hayes Frank Cush personality, the, working for those guys, how how um how teed up they got. Well, they they both are kind of the, the same a little bit, and uh, uh, they Woody probably was a little more physical. Frank would um, was a pretty good actor. I mean, he he <laughs> he would give you the impression of that he might whack you, but he he never did. The only time I've ever seen him, you know, put his hands on anybody, and actually it wasn't. Was at night he would have the quarterbacks and and receivers like it's just like seven on seven and mm-hmm. and they work on the passing game in the lights and they and um, we would have practice um, all of us during the afternoon 
and then they just wouldn't have they just had their seven on seven at night rather than during practice so they'd go eat and come back and uh, do that and but I saw him once a couple times hit hit the quarterback on the head with his whistle <laughs> you know and those old Rydell helmets they used to ring a little bit so <laughs> but that's about it you know and he uh Woody was a little more physical, I think, with the players. Um, you know, I mean, he, he may he may grab a hold of them and stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, he was he was he demanded uh, respect, and, and he got it. And um, same thing with uh, with uh, Coach Cush. A lot of times, some of the players that I I know didn't like him. Because he was so tough on him. I mean, you know, he, he was he was tough to deal with uh, on the field and during practice. I mean, he and uh, but at uh, when it came right down to it, all the things that he he was always behind the kids, and they knew it. And uh, you know, you can't find one kid now that doesn't think the world of him. Of course, mm-hmm. he's passed down now. Sure. But you know, they the guys that played for him really like him. Charlie McBride's Woody's the same way. Yeah, Woody's the exact same way. Charlie McBride's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, it was pretty interesting to hear from from Matt Rule today. Coach Rule talked about winter conditioning, and there was there's just a a, a method with him, and I thought he set it up really well. Where it came from the kids, it was it was peer to peer. With the teams that were set up, the competition that was required every day, and it wasn't just teamwork where you're doing tug of war or there's some sort of race. I mean, there was there was football concepts clearly involved, but also uh-huh. he emphasized the the community service, the outreach, the accountability part, and I think it all pretty well stacked on one another and some guys who may be best friends with their roommates said dude you're never on time just as an example i can't take you on my team i want to win this thing so it was pretty fascinating to hear how did you guys handle the accountability part of of making sure guys were where they were supposed to be when it wasn't practice time well, I did, uh, each guy does it different. We really didn't have we we really didn't have a uh, a problem of kids being late, or I don't I don't ever remember that even uh, coming up. I know that Kenny Walker one time his alarm, you know, being deaf, it was a little different deal. And mm-hmm. I had a thing where if it was uh, it cost you a penny a minute, it does second if you're late, and. Uh, I think Kenny owed me about oh thirty seven dollars. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and then, Did you and, ever collect? And, 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 well, his alarm didn't go off and he was about two hours I don't know, he was really late. And uh and that was the only time that I think I ever really had a talk to anybody about coming in late. I don't even remember players being late. Mm-hmm. Um but uh that that wasn't that really wasn't a big thing. I think that, that what what he's saying and, and uh, let me go back a little bit. And Tom, of course, as far as the community stuff, you know, he was starting program mm-hmm. that he has now with the mentoring, 
and some of those kids be- became mentors in in Lincoln. And so there was a lot of them that spent the time doing that. And uh, probably right now it's on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. I think. I think you. Uh, you know. And I think that started and worked its way down from professional football and professional sports, where these guys had money to back themselves a little bit more. And uh, you know, nowadays I think it's more personal uh, amp work, doing camp stuff, and and things like that, which are, kids really love to be around the players, and that that. That serves a lot because they they pick up on them how hard it takes players work and things like that and and the players get to talk to them and in 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 you know not necessarily off the field but after practice and before practice and stuff like that. Coach, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting today was from Chief Borders, and uh, he was talking about his competition group. They won it this offseason, the, uh, the the offseason winter conditioning program. They, uh, they they were the champions among the team. And he mentioned the fact that uh, Coach McGuire, Garrett McGuire, 23-year-old, was uh, actually a part of their team and was out pushing sleds in the snow with them in Memorial Stadium in, in sub-zero <laughs> weather. And I want to get your take. Is that something you ever did? Did you ever hop in on these workouts yeah. with the guys? Well, when I was younger, I did. But yeah. I mean, you, you'd get down and go ahead with them with, you know, they'd have pads on, but every once in a while you'd get down and go one-on-one with them with that, and just get down and do it. And, uh, but, um, you know, that, I think that, that takes a little bit more. And a lot of times in the, we, we'd join in and if they had any kind of races or anything like that or team stuff, Sometimes the coaches would each be on a on a team, and uh, so then then that then the complaints would really start because some of the coaches weren't very fast, and uh, <laughs> and you know it was it it, it and it came down to that factor a lot of times. So so but it was a lot of fun all the time. You know they always had something that you know kind of brought the team together, whether you win or whether you lose. Yeah, there was just a way that um, you know. For example, Coach Cush would you know had it. He would tease guys and stuff like that, and and it would be you know make a lot of fun out of it. Coach, I want to get your take as as defensive coordinator, teaching the other coaches when you change a defense, and that's where Nebraska is at right now with Coach White in this three three five defense. The other coaches are getting on the same page how did you approach that when there was a tweak or a concept that you wanted to to use defensively uh this is an idea you had an idea maybe someone else had and and you implemented it how how were you able to coach the coaches yeah, well that actually isn't as hard as you think because we spent a lot of time before practice uh, in the summer mm-hmm. and then things like that uh, each po- coach got up and talked about his position and how he was going to coach it. And so everybody knew what that person, that coach was doing. Uh, and and they they don't have that, maybe with the recruiting going the way they did, they probably don't have that quite as much. So they're going to have to be careful. Uh, you know, I mean, be sure everybody knows they're all on the same page when they practice. Mm-hmm. And and it, it it may be a little slower than you'd like it because of when they came in, 
But uh, I think the, 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 the main part of the defense uh, would get in. And, and one of the things we did was we taught them some of the schemes and, and actually didn't actually run them in a scrimmage just so that they were aware that we have that and we're going to work on it in the fall. I mean, that's something that we want them to be aware of mm-hmm. rather than throw it all at them at, you know, at once in the fall. So all that stuff's been worked out. All the all the practices have already been made out, um, and they may be a little bit of change in some of them, but uh, that may be because of maybe an injury or something like that. But they're minor, minor that way. So so I, we were pre-planned. It just it wasn't the day of practice we decided what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. We already had it all written up and and. You know, it just went time, time to time. Now, that when we worked with the freshmen individually, that was something that we that we had. It was kind of a a basic thing of teamwork, and because uh, we had the freshmen in our group work, so um, it was more of a teamwork thing and teaching them the plays, teaching them that kind of thing. When they when we had them alone, like. We'd have them come out a little later, uh, and we'd t- send them in a little later. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd keep them out after practice for a half an hour or so and run plays and put defenses in and things like that. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, on Monday with Charlie. Coach, we had so much fun talking about the swimming pool last week. We're going to do another rendition of Ask Charlie. Uh, so, uh, w- this is from Walt. He emailed in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Walt from Papillion. Did you ever have any interactions as a, as a player or as a coach with Ralphie the Buffalo? No, yeah, you just stay away from that thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember, I remember uh, one time the Lance Van Zant was standing out on the field before the game, and he didn't see this coming on. Oh no! He just kind of it was. Oh yeah, and it, it, kind of at the last minute, you know, he he it was coming down on him, and and those kids, you know, they have to run, really run. Yeah, I mean they they did. And they lose their hats, they lose everything. But you haven't seen him scamper. He 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 moved his feet out of the way. But that everybody, you know, that was kind of a funny thing on both sides. That I'm sure the Colorado people enjoyed it, but we got a laugh out of it too. But that that thing is is dangerous. I mean, yeah. So I, we were used to that. From we we were told when when I was playing. Uh, you know, we'd be down on the field, and sometimes they'd bring them out after the game. Okay. And, yeah, and so we were always told to stay away from it, you know, and uh, they're difference in age a lot of times. And the older ones, you can't, they're, they're really, they can be really mean. Coach, quickly, if it came down to it, how many defensive linemen do you think it would take to, to successfully fight off Ralphie the Buffalo? Should it come down to that? You mean how many be a, a year? No, I mean just like like that, like if it's a, a mono e mono matchup, Ralphie the Buffalo against Nebraska's defensive line. How many defensive linemen would be required to successfully fend off Ralphie? To, 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 to take care of that thing? Yeah. 
Oh, I'd take six. They, okay. they do it with four, I think. But guys that didn't know what they're doing can really get in trouble. <laughs> really get in trouble. I, I think you need uh, one for each leg and then just one to hop on the back yeah, and put in a rear yeah, naked yeah, choke. Yeah, 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 yeah well, good luck. <laughs> and we, had, we, had a, we had a player that was uh, actually was a cowboy. I mean, he was a roper, mm. and he was doing it professionally. And... Um, uh, he called me up before practice one day, and uh, he said I was having an accident, coach. And I said, "What happened?" He said, "I, well, I got my rope caught in my thumb and pulled my thumb off." Oh no! And yeah, and they they sewed it back on. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, he was late for practice because they sewed it, you know, for preseason, and we, we you know we had to be careful with him for a long time. Uh, but what happened was that uh, we were playing Iowa State, and, I mean, it was cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really cold. And he came over to me, and he said, Coach, will you take my glove off? And I said, yeah, how's your finger? He says, I don't know, but I think it might be in my glove. <laughs> I thought, well, and it wasn't. It was, you know, it was fine, but... You know that kind of that kind of. That, I was thinking, what if I take this thing off and his thumbs in his glove? That'll be cute, you know. <laughs> Charlie McBride so. with us. Wow, Coach, we'll continue on uh, next Monday and enjoy the sunshine of Arizona. I'll do it. All right, thanks I'll, so much. I'll do it. Okay, Ben. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you like next week. <laughs> Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Charlie McBride. We will continue on with this Ask Charlie part of the segment next week. That's an acknowledgement to your email, Kevin, your input. Charles and our friends at uh, Go Big Redcast uh, heard that podcast. You got to tune into. We will bank these and have some uh, some more. We'll do more than one. But Walton and uh, and Papio with the Ralphie question. I thought with all the Colorado and Nebraska buzz, we better go there. And I didn't know Coach McBride had a roper lose his thumb when he was practicing roping, and maybe the thumb stayed in the glove during a cold. Yeah cold day in Ames. There's not such thing as a warm day in Ames during football season. But got to love the uh, the Ask Charlie segment. <laughs> you stay away from Ralphie. There's that iconic picture of, of, of T.O. Where Ralphie's running right at T.O. T.O.'s staring him down saying, you get your ass to the sideline or else. <laughs> uh-huh. And old Ralphie's tranked out of her mind. I, I will say, with Ralphie, though, to give Colorado some credit, that's one of the cooler live mascots in, in college mm-hmm. athletics, Ralphie. Ralphie's up there with Bevo. I think Ugga the dog's a little stupid, to be honest with you. There's nothing scary about 
a little bulldog in my Dude, opinion. did you see what happened on the sideline? With Bevo? No, with with uh, Uga. No. Uga went chopper and narrow, narrowly missed on an A&M player. Oh, I do remember that. Right, yeah. a few years I back? that. Yeah. So don't tell me it's, like, not dangerous. Bulldogs usually are just sweet and lovable and don't move a whole lot. But uh, Brennan... Never roped, but I participated in mutton busting. Is that lambs? Yes. Okay. Well, isn't it, is it sheep or is it lambs? I don't know. I don't know. My my For, The city slicker in me is coming out here. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of schmitz aren't around sheep. We'll just leave it at that. The extent of my knowledge of sheep is uh, season one of Clarkson's Farm, if you've seen that on Amazon Prime. I, I, I have not. <laughs> they, they look like hell. Like I, <laughs> it's not look like a fun time raising sheep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's, get, <laughs> let's get to some audio. <laughs> Por favor. Uh, Coach Rule. Here we go. Coach Rule. So, Matt Rule spoke uh, to the media a little earlier. What did he learn? What did he want to get done? And he emphasized. You know, the most important part here is is the practice. Um, Scott asks a great question. I think the Peter brothers would have made Ralphie crap himself. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, Christian and Jason would have tag teamed that uh, poor Buffalo, and we would have had Buffalo steak. Uh, back to Rule. Coach Rule, uh, what did he learn? What did he want to get done? We came into the offseason feeling like we wanted to, uh, you know, build strength and mobility. I think we have. We're feeling like we wanted to learn the process and um, that, that, we, that we're going to undertake and, and wanting to build a sense of brotherhood amongst the team. I think we've made a lot of steps in that direction. I, I think now it's just time to really, that process, uh, take that over into, uh, into football. You know, in our program, practice is everything. It's the most important thing that we do. And, um, you know, whereas people focus on the results, we try to focus on things we can control, which is the way that we practice, the attention to detail. And what I'm finding with this team is they're highly, highly, highly competitive, but sometimes the small details, you know, as, as do with most 18 to 22 year olds, they get away from us a little bit. So can we take our sense of competitiveness, our toughness? This is a tough group. Can we take that competitiveness and that toughness and carry it over um, onto the football field and, and also add in precision and detail? If we can be really competitive and tough, but also detailed and precise, we have a chance. And so uh, we, I'm anxious to start that process on the football field with the guys. And then I think it's just for each, you know, our, our job is to help each player find a way to get on the field and be in the right position. So try to teach those guys as best we can. You know, there's different elements of what he wants in a football team that hasn't been his full strength or, quite frankly, has just been missing during different eras. And... Maybe toughness was a question mark with some of the Riley teams. Uh, maybe just the details from the head coach on down during the Frost era. It's not that Frost doesn't know football or doesn't see talent or hasn't picked out a guy like Cam Jurgens to develop. I mean, there's, there's, there's examples, but from a detail standpoint, it was a lot of little things that Kept unraveling for Nebraska. It's a lot of little things that became big things. Sure. And and I think he's on point, Coach Rule is, with 
all right, got to be strong, got to be tough, but got to be detailed. And he's not throwing the kids under the bus. He's like, like 18 to 23 year olds. If you, this is my, this is my decoding. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Some are going to show up 15 minutes early. Amir Abdullah example. Some will show up 15 minutes late because they can until you call them on it. And you just say that in a lot, just a little thing like being on time. More from Coach Rule. He was asked who stood out, and, and he didn't really specify anybody, but he talked about the group as a whole. I, I'm not here to isolate any one guy or any per group. There's, there's a select group of guys that have really, really been good. You know, they've earned the most black jerseys throughout the offseason. Two of those guys, uh, Thomas Fedoni and Chief Borders, you know, I've asked to come talk today. I wouldn't say that they're the best, but, you know, we had an offseason competition that we do. Uh, Thomas was the, um, was the captain of that team. And in probably six, seven years of doing this, one of the best captains I've ever seen in terms of willing his team to victory. Um, and then Chief, as a new player, I think he was the leading point getter. He, he and Teddy uh, were tied. And um, so I elected those guys to come. But I couldn't say I, – I'd actually flip it. There's not very many guys that I'm not happy with. Uh, I think a lot of guys have paid a significant price this offseason. Um, you know, I just have to get to the football now and see who can actually do it on the football field too. But I thought the offseason was a real was really good in terms of the holistic uh, group. So again, building process, more steps, more input here in the stream. Can watch the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, or the Hale Varsity Twitter handle at H Varsity Radio. Uh, Scott reminding folks. I don't know if I've said this or not, but Scott's like, look. I had a buddy who used to team rope for money, and two of his buddies have a missing thumb. Back to Mc... you're you're absolutely grossed out by the thought of someone losing their thumb. It, it's less the thought of somebody losing the thumb. Thumb. It's more like the amount of force that is required to, to just rip somebody's pull thumb, thumb out of their knock, clean knuckle. off. Like, yeah. ugh, ugh. That's the, the I, I guess it's not the thought of seeing somebody without a thumb. Like, okay, it, it like, that, that's not that bad. But the thought of it happening to my own thumb. Like how hard it have to get pulled. Like I've I've dislocated a pinky before. Sure, you played a line. Didn't feel great, but like the thought of getting a finger completely just torn off—that's like some saw stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's medieval torture. Yeah. Uh, Brennan lets us know that yeah, it's it's uh, sheep, and you just grab onto the wall and see how long you can stay on. See now that kind of reminds me of the Odyssey, the 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 classic. Tail by oh, Homer. By Homer. You know, where they're hiding from the Cyclopses. You just hold on to the wall, hang underneath for as long as you can so the Cyclops can't see you. No, sure. is that... But the history minor in me is coming out now, I guess. So. In the Greek fandom. Uh, back to uh, football. Uh, more from Rule on accountability in that part of this winter conditioning. These guys are really, really competitive. So, like, I mean, I think, I think if you talk to the other athletes on campus... I mean, I think we had like, I showed up to a tennis match. I think we had like 30 football players at a tennis match, you know, like, so that, that's sort of like, hey, we can do things to earn points. You know, sometimes some guys can be too cool for school. These guys weren't. They wanted to do this. And, um, you know, I did a similar thing, and Christian McCaffrey was fight, scratch, and claw to win. So it's, you know, good players like to win. I've just learned that over the years. And so these guys, but I think it's, it's guys like Thomas, like, you know, they, Fedoni, it's guys like, uh, you know, Chief and all those guys. They, they really drove this thing. And, um, you know, we had to replace a captain or two because they weren't quite doing everything right you know this was this was good for our team to, to realize that um when who you say you are is the same as who you actually are what you actually do you know you're living a pretty good life and when you're not people it gets exposed so it's been fun but it, it was pretty quick to be quite honest 
That's pretty fascinating where you get defrocked as a captain and are you are you putting an act on or are you are you a real one? More from Coach Rule and the topic of leadership, uh, specifically vocal leaders versus those that, that just kind of grind every day. Yeah, I'm really careful, like, you know, about the vocal thing. Like, what we don't need is a bunch of spokespeople, right? Like, I mean, like, I watched the highlight tape from last year. You know, we'd be, we, we put it together, so no knock on anyone else. Like, our guys put it together. It's all people giving speeches in the locker room. Like, if you got to give a speech in the locker room, it usually means you're getting your, your tail beat. You know what I mean? So, like, to me, leadership is, like, who's the first guy in the building, the last guy to leave, who does everything right. You know, you know I said I wasn't going to signal people out, but I will say, like, you know, who's a great leader? in his own way is like Brian Buschini, probably the toughest specialist. And I'll get some text messages from some guy. Brandon McManus is probably going to call me here in an hour after saying this, but one of the toughest specialists I've ever seen. And so when you have guys like that competing at a really high level, it just drives everyone around them. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think, um, I think we have some good guys, but Fedoni, um, he just wants to win. And so, you know, like the last week you had to get all your teammates to, if you got all your teammates to a match and took a picture, you got double points. And, Trying to get 10 other college students to show up at something at the same time is hard, right? And it seems, what does that mean? Well, I know it means something to the other student athletes to have people there watching them, but, you know, I think he got 11 people to the, to the beach volleyball match and took a picture. And uh, so he just, he just finds a way to get it done. He likes to win, he's very competitive. Well, and I guess that, that kind of gets back to his recovery from injury, and it makes sense because it, it was discussed. Uh, has Thomas Foney rushed back from injuries? And I think with Matt Rule speaking on that, that competitiveness inside Thomas Fedoni, it makes sense how hard he's worked to come back from those knee injuries, and though he may have rushed it. I think what Matt Rule is saying kind of checks out with what we've seen in, in Fedoni's Husker career. He just, he's built different as far as mentality, and he's been given a ton of accolades, but his drive is at a different level. And the, the question is, is, is will his production on the field match that drive off the field? Well, he's going to try and make sure that he at least gets the opportunity. I mean, it's plenty of adversity he's faced. <clears throat> sure. Can we squeeze in the jersey designations, the mat drills? Do we have time? Cut 11? No. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. We'll get more on the jersey designations. I know that's a big thing the last few days we touched on. We'll hear from Coach uh, Rule on the other side. More from Thomas Fedoni. Yeah, are you looking at Scott's? Yeah, he just described the whole thumb story. Put it on. Okay, I'll, I'll read it off here. Scott says, saw one of them happen. That is uh, somebody losing a thumb. It popped straight up in the air. All he said was, son of a B. B. I lost my bleeping thumb. thumb. We stuck it in some ice, but the doctor couldn't sew it back on. It was weird picking it up. That's an understatement. <laughs> Just a touch. And this goes back to we the Ask Charlie segment we're doing every Monday now. We'll get a question in from you, Twitter or email, to ask Coach McBride. And we had uh, Walt and, Pap and, and Papillion ask if you ever ran into Ralphie. Had a run-in with Ralphie when he was either a coach or a player. And... Somehow it got onto the topic of a roper that used to play for Coach McBride that lost a thumb, and they weren't sure if he lost his thumb in the uh, the sidelines uh, of an Iowa State game. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Sure to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Download the whole show or the segments you want to hear. Coach McBride every Monday. Jeff Smith, longtime. College basketball coach and Hall of Fame basketball coach in high school. 
talked uh, upcoming state tournament action and Nebraska's run here. Great win over Iowa. Elijah Herbal back from Vegas. Chris Schmidt with you. And uh, more from Coach Rule. This specifically gets into the mat drills and the jersey designations that we talked about and Coach Rule expanded on it. Yeah, that's really for the mat drill. You know, uh, what we want is we want them to have elite feedback every day. Like, it, I mean, it takes about two hours for the staff. And we watch we, we, we watch every single rep of the mat drill and we great guys. I mean, that, they're getting feedback, right? Like, to me, when you uh, people say power corrupts, uh, you know, I've always felt like powerless corrupts. When you're powerless to change your situation, when you feel like, hey, no matter what I do, I'm just going to always be this. So um, there's going to be transparency and there's going to be honesty. It's going to be very, very direct. Um, I've learned over the years, like, you can be direct without, you know, attacking somebody. So this is one way. It's you have a great day, you're in a black jersey. You don't have a great day, you're in a red jersey. It's been fun for me. This will be my fourth head coaching job, seeing guys on social media from here, talking to guys from Baylor, talking to guys from Temple, and, you know, them all talking, talking to guys from Western Carolina about the mat drills, about putting pushing prowlers and all that. So that part's been fun because there's this common experience of, hey, this is hard to go through, but they get, you know, they get feedback every day. And um, again, if you make things with these guys, if, if I say, hey, let's go run 10 40 yard dashes, they'll do it. They might not like it. But if I say, hey, let's see who the fastest is, they'll run 50 of them to keep trying to prove who's the. So if we make a competition and that's what the jerseys do, then uh, they'll compete at it and they'll fight for it. So strength and conditioning, what it was geared for. Some of the research they did with with film study, and the topic of mobility. Nebraska's strength has not been an issue, right? They're they're not getting pushed around in the Big Ten on the lines of scrimmage anymore. Great. Are they able to make some plays where you have a combination of strength and athleticism? Coach Rule was asked about that. Uh, I can't. I don't know about last year when I got here. Right? We, we, I think we felt like after watching them early on. And again, it's you know, it's you're getting guys after they went home and ate you know with, with you know three home cooked meals with mom every day, and it's a new way of doing things. But we, we, I know we felt like there was a lot of there was a lot of opportunities for improvement, and it could be a real area to separate us in terms of you know really getting full ranges of motions on some things and movement on some things. That being said, this is a pretty fast team. Uh, you know, sometimes you know we, we do everything off the GPS, and our GPS time speeds are fast you know and so if I told you who the fastest guys on our team were you'd probably be surprised you know there's there's some guys that like you know they can really move you know I think Chuba and Heinrich are two of the two of the fastest if not the fastest guys on the team so um in terms of the G, in terms of the GPS numbers so um, but I think we thought felt like that was an area of of, of, of not of an opportunity and again you know if you're really really strong but not flexible and can't move it doesn't really matter and if if you're really, really fast and athletic but not strong, you're not going to be durable. So it's this combination, and um, that's sort of the you know that's sort of things I've learned. You know, I kind of grew up in a world of just get strong and be tough, and it's not really the world anymore, right? So just that movement, and also that movement efficiency, right? Of I think one of the best things that we can do again is availability, and I'm not going to put that on the players. We put that on us first. You know, we can't have our best players not out in the field. They've got to be healthy, and so that starts with movement quality, gets into regeneration, and, and there's been an investment. Um, you know, from the athletic department here, to, you know, with the new building to make sure that we have the very best of the best in terms of recovery, regeneration, keeping guys healthy. Last side from Coach Rule was sneaking a little Thomas Fedoni uh, physical spring. Is it going to be a physical spring? Uh, physical. 
be physical. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, I mean, we'll have we'll have a couple you know scrimmage days. You know, I mean, the, the NCAA has rules. I mean, we won't be again. We're not going to be like wanton. We're not going to be dumb. It's just um, <laughs> to me, it's it's all about the, the the quality of the contact. I mean, we're going to have you know we, we believe in playing with dominant contact, and so. We'll, we'll drill that way. We'll rep that way. You know, I'm not a big, like, helmet, shoulder pads, no pants guy. Like, you know, we'll either be in helmets or we'll be in pads. And So, to me, I mean, there'll, there'll be live days. There'll be non-live days. I mean, we'll follow all the rules and do all that. But I just think it's the quality of contact, right? Like, even when we're thudding, you know, we won't be tagging guys off. I mean, we won't hit them from the side or from the back. But, you know, we won't go to the ground on days we're thudding. But we're going to strike and we're going to... You know, to me, you know, these guys are young. They're getting trained. We're not, they're not getting coached. They're getting trained. You get, you get coached at the next level. Right now they're training themselves on how to block, how to tackle, how to get off blocks. And so we have to train that. And the only way to do that is um, do it repetitively. So I think it'll be physical, but it won't be, you know, it won't be, you know, caveman-like. I mean, we're not going to go out there and just have a bloodbath. We're going to be smart. We, we do, the greatest gift I can give our players is health. And so I want to keep them healthy, but I also want to turn them into the best player they can be. That might be one of the greatest coach speak lines I've heard Matt Rule deliver. And if you don't know what coach speak is, it's essentially just using terms and phrases that are common in coaching that don't really mean all that much. And as the that's ultimate crystal, one, I assured, that's crystal clear to me. It's going to be physical. You're gonna you're gonna get hit. You're well, gonna, I'm not talking about that. I'm not. I'm, it's him saying we're not coaching. We're training. That's like an ultimate coach speak answer of like no, but the, what does that mean? <laughs> to me, it means that they're gonna train these guys to be able to go out on Saturday and make an open field tackle or get off of a block or make a block. It's not that they haven't they've been doing this for years. They're kids that are playing Division I college football, but it's different where the result isn't the same as the expectation. It's been different. You can't not hit and then go out there and expect the team to not suck at tackling. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to do it enough where you don't kill your team, but they're good at what they do. Jojo Doman's a guy that's a great open field tackler. Mike Brown was a great open field tackler. Uh, Grant Wisdom and Jason Peter were great at getting off blocks and going and and finding a ball carrier. We go down the list of the guys that you watch growing up, and they're just like, dude, they're different. Well, they busted their tail at it. They They were made ready. Through training, so coaching. this well, uh, coaching. Sorry. Well, but. no, he says training. I just, I just heard that. I just thought it was funny because I go, well, like I understand there's a slight difference between mm-hmm. training and coaching. I just think it's weird to make that a, a big sticking point. We're not coaching these guys. We're training these guys. So, can we sneak in some Fedoni here about uh, the staff's approach to winter conditioning? Sure. All right, let's do that, and then Fedoni opens up a little bit on on uh, his recovery and in recovery time. Uh, from the last step, but we'll start with this uh, this winter conditioning. I thought it was awesome for a few reasons. One is, you know, you got to earn the respect of the coaches. Everyone can talk and everyone can say how great they are and why they're a leader, but really the true leaders will emerge from these competitions and from the work that they're having us do because it was not easy. I tell you that right now. There's some times when I was second guessing myself, like, you know, it was, it was tough. Sometimes I, I wouldn't see nothing but white. It was pretty crazy, but it was extremely fun. Um, I loved it. Um, loved competing. And I thought it was, it was a great way for the coaches to kind of see, you know, who's, who's who and, you know, who's really like the, the line in the room. Let's hear from Fedoni on his situation last year, cut eight and uh, why he didn't play. Oh yeah, I've been. I was full. I could have went. I could have played last year. Um, there was times where I was the. They wanted me to play, and uh, I was getting kind of yelled down the sideline for not being able to play 
last year because I couldn't, the, I wasn't, you know, medically uh, released, which is probably the best decision um, in the long run. But if, if they had told me to suit up and play, I would have been out there. That speaks to something, I feel like. We're not done. Yeah. Other side, other side, we will get more on that comment because there were follow-up questions on, well, who wanted you to play? What's going on here? If you were okay to go last year, why didn't you? So hang on. We'll wind down on Monday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time. Hale Varsity presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Come see us. Rosie's downtown, 10th and P. Thursday to celebrate state basketball. We're there four to six. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from Charlie McBride and Jeff Smith. Longtime uh, basketball aficionado. Uh, great coach at Southeast and, of course, Nebraska basketball. Thomas Fedoni laid out that he was getting yelled at to play last year. Was he cleared? More from Fedoni. Well, I don't want to say, but I can probably, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing now, but uh, there's times where there's some coaches that were like, you know, why, why, why is he suited up? Why is he playing? Because I'll be, I would do, I wouldn't go with the ones or anything. I'd be with the twos, or not twos, the threes, fours against like the scout team ones um, playing against, you know, getting them ready really. And I was just getting myself, it was really just trying to benefit me and them at the same time because I wasn't going to play. So I just went and did things with the threes and fours and fives against the ones. Um, and I'd be making pretty good plays, um, doing things that, you know, no one else was doing on the threes, fours, fives. And I'd be getting in trouble because I'm not playing. So. Yeah, it'd be like frustrating because you want to be out there, right? Oh, yeah. What? Well, yeah, there's, it was, uh, it was hard. Yeah, definitely hard. So who is yelling at you? You heard his answer. Didn't say names. Don't know what he's doing now. Last thought from Fedoni here on the clearance part. What cut number? Ten. Okay. Uh, the head surgeon wouldn't clear me. How did that make you feel, though, when you've got coaches screaming at you that you should be playing, and then you've got medical people saying that you shouldn't be, like, kind of being made in the middle? I mean, it made me feel good because I knew I was doing – I was doing good on the field, you know, like coach saw that I could help and benefit the team. But at the time, it would have really been worth it just because of how we were performing at the time. Not really performing, I guess, just how the team was doing as a whole at the time. We weren't really winning games at the time, so it really wouldn't have, if I would have gotten hurt or something like that again, it, there would have been no point to do it because, you know, it's not like we were competing for like a Big Ten championship or anything, you know. So he was out there trying to get back. Probably non-contact, or he's just running, likely seven on seven. That was okay, non-contact. And he's out there just making people foolish, hmm. just just tearing them up. Well, if there's a bright side to it, you, you kind of look at it like the, the Nurdi Nueli situation where it's, 
you know what? Yeah, you didn't get a play last year, but you did get a spin that you're fully focused on your own development. As he mentioned, he's going up against the ones every single day in practice. It's a similar story for Nuri. You're not going to be a starter, so you're going to go give that starting defensive line a good look in practice, and you're going to get better as you do that because competition breeds uh, more success as you go up against uh, higher and higher level people. Fedoni also, let's squeeze in, cut 16, the coaching change, and did he think about transferring? Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, there were so many speculations out there. I have no, I didn't know who we were going to get. It was crazy, though, because it's just you don't really know what to expect, to be honest. So um, I, I don't really – it's been a while ago, but it was. I remember it was crazy. Uh, you know, you always have those thoughts. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I've definitely, definitely considered it before because, you know, I – I lost my coach, Coach Beckton, who, in my opinion, is the best in the country. Um, the dude was insane. He was so detailed. Um, from the, you know, if you had a, a step just an inch off or six inches off, he, he'd see it and he'd fix it. And um, yeah, but you know, I feel like that's with anybody. Um, and then once you get to see this new staff and see how they work and you know what they're doing, uh, it changes you. So back tomorrow at four. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.